Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here with me and our guest, Saima, today. Thank you, first of all, for the amazing response to last week's episode with Olia um, from Mariupol. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet, I really hope you do. This week's episode is another longer one. And frankly, I am getting more and more comfortable with allowing these interviews to go as long as they sort of want to go and of not editing them down. So... That's a trend that I see continuing with the storied recipe. I'm curious if you have feedback on that. If you have a strong feeling one way or another, reach out to me at Becky, B-E-C-K-Y at thestoriedrecipe.com. Let me know what you think about that. Um, But back to today's guest. I reached out to Saima because she often, uh, I only know her through social media, and on uh, those platforms, she constantly achieves the difficult balance of being unfailingly kind and gracious. She initiates so many thoughtful and sensitive conversations with others. And at the same time, she is unflinchingly honest in her thoughts and opinions um, on many topics of very serious import, ranging from politics to religion. And when someone is able to mesh those two qualities together, that is the kind of person that I know that I can uh, ask a lot of questions of and learn a lot from. And um, I I, I wanted to do that. I wanted to try to understand um, Sama's perspective a little bit. So for this episode, when I reached out and asked her if she'd come on and which recipe she would like to share, she chose a lamb dish made by her tribe in northern Pakistan for the celebration of Ayid al-Adha. And the unique thing about this particular lamb dish is that in Sama's hometown, they actually begin making this dish by slaughtering themselves um, the lamb. And they do this to commemorate the way that God provided Abraham with a lamb to replace the sacrifice of Abraham's son. And this episode uh, discusses that. It talks a lot about Saima's faith and how that became personal to her. And she also is going to discuss why she is sometimes very critical of the West, what experiences in her life um, made her that way. But we talk about a lot of um, light topics as well. We hear about her life story. And like I said, it's long, but you will want to listen all the way to the end. And you'll even hear about her grandfather, who was a water Uh, diviner, and how to make roti bread from sourdough. So I'm really excited to turn this one over to Saima to share her story. And the only thing I want to say is thank you so much for tuning in. Hello. Hello. How are you, Becky? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much. Oh, nice. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to be talking with you. Same here. I was so looking forward to talk to you. Like it's been forever that we have connected on Instagram. So it's really nice hearing your voice. I in, feel, in I kind feel of thing. yes, I feel the same way. Well, thank you for taking the time to get on with me. I've really been looking forward to this. And um, yeah, same. thank you to you as well for thinking of me to do it with me. I've I've actually wanted to for a while and I feel like 
what I've seen from you on Instagram, I feel like you've, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just wasn't looking as closely before, but I feel like you've really kind of um, blossomed and opened up. And I feel like you share more and more of your personality and your values. Um, You share a lot about your faith. And um, I think I just wanted to, I'm very intrigued and I wanted to talk to you about Thank that you so much. yeah yeah i i feel more confident of my photography mm, now mm. like i confident enough to pitch to brands i'm learning uh flash so i can start restaurant photography yeah so yeah i'm really like loving it it's just so much therapeutic therapeutic mm. for me to do photography because there's so many stresses in life like everybody else has mm-hmm. so photography is like an anchor for me to mm. save myself from those things Mm-mm. a little escape Yes, a little escape. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to hear about the other things though today. <laughs> today, yes, of because course, of course, yeah, I have all the. Yes, I printed your questions. Of course. Oh, good. Yeah, because I feel like as you've started to share more, it's like I know your personality and I know where you're coming from, but I don't really know the story behind it. And I think yeah. that's just where I got I got interested. I just I want to know about that. So, yeah, I. Sure. Yeah, I thought I I was like writing the questions and I was like, oh, where should I start? You know, I know this little bit about her story. I know that little bit. And I thought, you know, Becky, (laughs) you start with the (laughs) recipe. That's what you tell every time I pick the podcast. This is what I tell people to do. So let's just start with that. And I think so much is going to come out of it. So tell us the name of the recipe you chose, um, the flavors in it, and we will just go from there. Yeah, I, I will try my best not to overtalk because when I am talking with friends, I consider you a friend. So I just go into a lot of details. So I'll try my best to stay on track. I feel um, the same way. And I, <laughs> I'm looking forward to all you have to say. <laughs> so um, this dish is called the Shinwari Mutton Karai. So <clears throat> Shinwari is my tribe. Oh. Uh, this is Yes, this is a tribe. So it's... it's um, uh, we are we live in Afghanistan, Afghanistan and Pakistan, and this dish was originated in northern Pakistan and Afghanistan's border. There's oh. a tribal yes, there's a tribal town called Nandi Kotal, mm. and um, some Afridis. This is another tribe of Pashtun people because I am like a Pashtun. Uh, okay. There are so many people in Pakistan places, um, so they were also part of it. Um, so this. Uh, dish represents our cuisine a lot because we are big meat eaters mm. and uh, because it's cooler in those areas and lots of mountains too so lamb and goat meat are favored a lot just like in south asia mediterranean and central mm. asia mm-hmm. um the main the original or authentic thing would be to cook with lamb i personally don't like lamb curry and stuff it has this certain scent to, to it yes but, it's um, gamey it's, yeah yeah. and um it's cooked with the animal fat mm. so yes and its textures uh, are really rich because it's slow slow cooked mm. so it brings out all the flavor and the richness and juiciness mm. uh, out yeah yes one it's part a dish say that again one part dish it's a one part dish so it's it just stays there and does its own thing after we saute it. <laughs> I, I yes. noticed that. I happily noticed that. <laughs> and it's quite, it's quite a simple dish. And then you put it's a very, yes. Yeah. And then you just have very simple things that go with it, this onion salad. Yeah, it's just uh, to add more flavor to it, more crunch to it. 
uh, not everybody makes salad but they're just used to making salad with it and people mm. eat it too and then freshly baked naan mm. and then you just soak it and eat it mm. amazing it's the ideal meal really yes well yes, in winter especially yeah it's interesting because you know there's a there's a cut of meat it's called mutton and I would yes. think I was surprised to see that. I mean, I think of it as an English word, but I was surprised mm-hmm. to see that in the title. Yes, mutton is, I don't know why they call it mutton. Mutton is like basically the smaller animal. So like beef and veal, beef is like a bigger animal, like a cow or buffalo oh. kind of thing. Veal is their babies, the calves. Oh, yeah. And a mutton is the smaller animal, which is a sheep, lamb, goat. Oh, okay. Um, so, so it's a yeah, catch-all phrase. It, yes, it's just mutton means you're eating that kind of. It's way more expensive mm. um, and prestigious. If um, if you're like we, we Pashtun people are really uh, happy. Like we, we are happy to receive uh, guests. So mm. uh, we would cook them the best our money can buy and afford. So mutton is something when you're giving somebody a lot of respect, you mm. cook them mutton. I see. I see. Okay. So let's, um, I I, I want to go back and ask a few questions later about cooking the dish because I want to do it properly. Yes. But yes. I'm so excited to dive in now. Tell me more about, you said the name of your tribe, it's Pashtun, you're the Pashtun people? Yeah, Pashtun is the race. And so we have a lot of Pashtun or Pashtun. So we are uh, mainly from Afghanistan and uh, northern areas of Pakistan. Our province is called KPK, which is Khyber Pashtunkhwa. So, and, but we have a lot of races among us. So Shinwari is not the biggest tribe of them, but our cuisine is like really getting famous in Pakistan and every city there will be a Shinwari restaurant. I we see. use less spices and a lot of uh, barbecuing and charcoal grilling and stuff. I like see. That. I see. Okay. And you said you're, you consider yourself a, a race, like a race of people? Yeah, we are a race of people and among us are a lot of tribes. Like that's okay. how we know each other. And okay. uh, we, in our language, Pashto or Pahto, we have a lot of dialects as okay. well, like a lot. I see. I see. And there's, I see. And there's just as many Afghani as Pakistani Pashtun people. Yes. Yes. I see. So, okay. I mean, I kind of assumed we were going to end up and talk about Pakistan and India partitioning, but I'm actually more interested now in what's the relationship between Pakistan and Afghanistan and why is there a border there if it's one race of people and this is towards the north I suppose yes towards the north um okay so like when uh, British rule was there mm. so it was called NWFP which is northern western northwestern frontier province oh. um it was never actually ruled ruled by a British but they were kind of like allies kind of thing because we weren't easy people to be ruled by, as you yeah. saw in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so when Pakistan, uh, like the partition happened with India, uh, then our province, uh, like people voted and they voted for Pakistan to be included in Pakistan because it before it was the whole, like a lot of so many rulers, different rulers go, went through in 1000 years. So it was all kind of one 
Afghanistan kind of together with it because lots of rulers would come from there. And then India, Pakistan, it, it Indo, Indo-Pak subcontinent, like it mm-hmm. was a subcontinent kind of thing, which mm-hmm. is mainly recognized as India and then had partitioned and then Pakistan. 1947 they did yeah i see yeah this is interesting because um yeah i think of you're really (laughs) you're really uh (laughs) my categories it's like i had like blocks lined up and there i had a yellow stack and a red stack and then you just like mashed them all together (laughs) my categories have been completely annihilated here because i think i thought of afghanistan as very middle eastern and Mm -hmm. uh Pakistan as like South Asian and yes. you are just mixing all of this up because I mean, of course, right. That of course <laughs> no border is that uh, black and white. So it was a silly thing to think now that I'm looking at the map, you share a border, of course you share so much, but this is really interesting to me. So, but some of your race decided to stay in Afghanistan, yeah, even I though you voted to join Pakistan. And like, it's a whole province. Uh, of people like Pakistan has four main provinces one Mm -hmm. is Balochistan so Balochi people live there Mm. one is KPK where most of us Pashtun people live and then Mm. there's Punjab and Sindh uh, which were mainly attached to India so uh, lots of partition stories you would hear from Punjab and Mm. Sindh people too Mm. because they were very close their borders were really like the same border basically or same thing so they have the East Punjab and West Punjab and all those things. So, mm-hmm. um, so in Punjab, Punjabis live in Sindh, Sindhi people live and they all have their own languages. I see. We have our one national language, which is Urdu and then uh, official language is English too. And uh, then we have 1 million different other languages, which yeah. are regional languages. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So, okay. And then when you, this is even the way that you're using the word race is very new to me. I think, you know, when I fill out a form for myself at a new doctor's office or for one of my kids, I think there's about six or seven yes, races you can choose from right but you're really narrowing the definition of um are you narrowing or expanding the definition one way or another you're using race yeah. um to describe your it's a much more granular um definition like you're uh like how would you even define the word race how would you distinguish your race from another race that is is going to be bordering you in Afghanistan or Pakistan um, so you know like what I'm asking? Oh, yeah. It's just it's a really like it's a it's a very it's a new way for me to use the word race. Like I think you have yes. black. Yeah, like uh, we white. are very nationalist kind of people. Mm. So we are very proud of our our origins and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like in Canada and everywhere, I always put South Asian or Southeast Asian, um, but whatever is there for me to fill. So interesting. We, we you yeah. don't put Middle Eastern. No, I'm not Middle Eastern. No, um, no, I'm South Asian because I'm part of Pakistan. Pakistan, but right. then every province have their own pride kind of thing, right? And uh, yeah. So what would di- like I, I again just like this 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 whole new way of using the word race is interesting to me because I think we mostly honestly think about race in terms of physical characteristics. Really, is the main way we really break it down. Um, how what would differentiate your race from one 
near nearby. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Um, if I understood your question well, I think um, uh, so. Physically, we would we are a little taller, mm. fairer, mm-hmm. or, or broader, and then we um, we have uh, all kind of skin tones. But mm. uh, uh, in rest of the country, we can tell who is uh, like we can tell who is from which province even without them talking. Well, and then how about when you narrow it down to a tribe? Is that um, how how big would a tribe be, and is it based on is it matriarchal? Based on you know the the women's the woman's line or patriarchal? How is the how how does the tribe um, defined? Yeah, so, I guess. So we have. Um, I think when I googled, I don't know myself, but mm. uh, Shinwai tribe is like uh, almost one million. Wow. Uh, people. Wow. And uh, we always go by our father's side. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's our tribe. Like we have little, little tribes mm. within our Pashtun culture or race or the geographical mm. area. So every city I would like, I was born in Kohat and mm. then 40 kilometers is Peshawar. Mm-hmm. So they have their own people their own uh, mm. dialect, different dialect of Pashto. Yeah. And we have our own different type of Pashto. Even 20 kilometers away from us, another city, they would have a different dialect of Pashto. Interesting. Um, yeah. So how, um, you know, I was listening to a podcast last summer about um, genetics and mm-hmm. they were talking about how quickly um, genetics change. Actually, they used yeah. to think that genetics changed very, very, very slowly. And now they're mm-hmm. actually learning how quickly genetics change and certain genes just fall out um, within just mm-hmm. a very few generations. And one mm-hmm. of the things that was so remarkable to me when I was listening to this podcast is they said it is just a defining human characteristic to leave, explore, and intermarry with people unlike ourselves. So is that, is there, is there pressure in your society to stay within your tribe or to stay within your race? And especially as, you know, our, all of our worlds are, you know, very quickly becoming more global. Um, is there pressure to stay there or how, I guess, um, Yes, I almost want to use um, the word pure, but you know that's a terrible yes. racist word. But you yeah, know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. How yeah that many work? people do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's preferred to stay in uh, to marry within ourselves because mm. we marry in family too, right? Um, so, but if there's a good option, then uh, we are okay. Like for me, if my kids say, "Hey, I want to marry a Korean person." Mm. And then I'll say, sure, why not? The only thing would be right now for me is that they're Muslim and good mm. people too. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be Muslim. Mm. Uh, and like, if I brought them to this country, I can't be just imposing so many rules on them. Mm. So like for me, uh, and when I was back home, so I think if, uh, yeah, we got married so early. My dad said we will be getting married I will be getting my daughters off by 24 25 but we got married by 17 18 you were married so, how old were you 18 you were 18 when you got married wow. yeah and did I'm you 43 now 
You're oh, so am I. <laughs> but you, you've been. Let's see. I've I've only been married 19 years. <laughs> yeah, I've been married a long time, as long as I can remember. You have. You've been married. Yeah, 20, 26 years. Uh, 25 years. Yes. 25 yes. years. Wow. And did you did you choose um, your husband? It was no. It was an arranged marriage. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I really wanted to study a lot, and I continued my studies after, even after I got married uh, privately. Mm-hmm. And when I came to Canada too, I studied, uh, and I'm planning to study more. But mm-hmm. then I would have, if I had, if I had a little bit of maturity or something, I would have preferred to study first, then get married. Mm. When you say if you had had maturity, you mean you would have? I would have said no. You would, I have, would have said, said no. no. So yeah. you feel, okay. So you feel, this is, this is interesting. We've talked about this um, within my husband's family too. Like how exactly do you define arranged? Because you're saying you, um, you didn't, you know, meet someone, fall in love, date yeah. and all of that. But yet you do feel you had the choice to say yes or no. Like I kind of did, but then what do you know at 18? You think yeah. like, whatever your parents are saying mm. is right yeah um, how much do you know and we were not like not that we didn't know much about the world either mm. we were just go school come back go college come mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. stay home and just a little bit friends mm-hmm. so we don't know much about the world anyway mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think that mm-hmm. played a part too yeah are are you still married you are yes 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 yes, yes i am okay okay <laughs> okay <laughs> and <laughs> how how many children have you had I have three kids. You have three kids. Okay. One son and two daughters. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. So we're kind of like marching through your life. So I want to keep going and then we'll go back and ask some of the other questions. So when um, did you and your husband decide together to come to Canada or did that happen before, um, Um, before you got married? Oh, no, no. Uh, we came to Canada, like, I would say 10 years ago, in t- end of 2012. In the end so of 2012. Was, yes. So he was working as an engineer in Dubai. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was living without him, just like how Dubai people does. Like, he would visit once a year for a month. Oh, wow. Um, yes. And then I was living uh, with my in-laws. So my kids were growing up and then... Yeah, that made me very independent in my decisions because mm-hmm. I kind of lived on my own for 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. So um, so it was getting hard for me when the kids were growing up. So mm-hmm. I told him, let's go somewhere, which is easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we came to Canada also because my sister lives here for mm-hmm. 25 years. And mm-hmm. also because they're skilled, um, skilled immigration program, it's easier. It's not that easy, but it's like easier to come um i see uh yes u.s i'm always very skeptical and scared of so u.s yeah. was out of question even though my husband's family a lot of family lives there oh i see okay yeah. okay so um you lived with your in-laws yeah. while your husband was in dubai how was yeah. that um it was mix of good and not so good mm-hmm. but that taught me a lot of lessons experiences mm-hmm kind of shaped how I think now mm, because how yeah. so were you I mean were you 18 when you moved in with your in-laws yes and oh, then wow. because my husband yeah after I got married after three months he went back to Russia he did his engineering from uh, Moscow 
Oh. So he went back after three months. Yes. So then I asked my father-in-law that I want to continue my studies and uh, which would be going back to my dad's house. And yeah. he said, it's fine. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. He said, it's fine. So I went there and then I finished like our high school is till grade 10. And then our college starts from grade 11 and 12. I see. So I finished my grade 12 college. And then after my son was born and thing, and then I did my bachelor's privately. Okay. So, but, and you were staying with your parents then at that point? Yes. Okay. And with, so. I see. And they would watch your son while you went to school? No, no. At that time he wasn't born. Oh. So, but uh, in my, during my exams, I got pregnant because my husband visited, but then it was so hard because you were I was so, so sick. sick, but I still gave my exam. Thank God. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Okay. And then once you had him, um, your husband graduated from yes, his, with his yes. degree from yes. Russia and then, from, and, yes. th- and then he started working in Dubai. Uh, no, then he, um, um, uh, he was, he looked for a job for a while and then he worked on a road project. Then he worked, uh, there's a very big tunnel, um, mm. in Kohat. He worked on that. Mm. And then like, I would say after, three and a half to four years of him mm-hmm. coming back he went to Dubai okay. and he stayed there for 10 11 years okay so that yeah. that does bring up another question that I, I was wondering what you were speaking because you said um it was just getting too hard you know it wasn't enough for the kids to just see their father once a year and it was hard for yeah. you and so um you said let's go somewhere else why were there just not jobs in Pakistan like was that just not an option to stay there? Uh, he wanted to start a business, consultancy oh. business over there. Um, but then there's too much red tape and um, other stuff that he didn't like about it. Because, I see. So he just, when you're used to working with like properly, honestly, mm. it's uh, a bit difficult to work. Mm. It's exact. Mm. I see. <laughs> I see. So then you guys chose to go to Canada. Yes. I see. Wow. Wow. And that was a very difficult thing, I'm sure. Yes, it's it's uh, it was very difficult. My sister supported me a lot, but then mm. so many things happened, like, you know, new immigrants, completely mm. new culture mm. for school. Kids are suffering kind of. Um, mm. It was it was hard, but it's getting better. slowly. Mm. What do you think was difficult about it? Um. So the culture shock was a lot. Mm. Uh, for example, for me, I am in education right now. So mm. it was totally by accident. But when I would be looking for internships, uh, people won't even let me see their director or owner because uh, I don't know how I looked or how I talked. Uh, uh, so they wouldn't even let me go pass through the door sometimes, even though it's Canada. But um, And they wouldn't even call me back and stuff. Mm. But then I got an internship in my daughter's school and also the current employer that I work for, she gave it to me and then she offered me a job, which mm. was, I took it part-time, not permanently, but now I, I am working as a lead teacher over there okay. since, and been there for eight years. Oh, wow. This is in an elementary school? I know it's a, d- a daycare. Oh, a daycare. I see. Yes. I have a team of three teachers with me and okay. we have like a big class. Oh, Wow. Okay. But initially, um, and why, 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 why do you feel that they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, speak with you? Let me, um, 
I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, is it my scar or is it how I look? Like I'm mm-hmm. wearing clothes like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very hard for people to take you seriously when you're new in a place at mm-hmm. workplace. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes because of where you're from, you may be smarter than them, more education than them, but mm-hmm. then you you really need to prove yourself to show mm-hmm. your worth. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. It was very hard, but then it pays off um, mm-hmm. that they finally start seeing that you're equal as them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in every way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and braver because you immigrated to a new country. <laughs> yes. Yes. And we know so many languages too. And yes. you know, so, yeah, how many yes. languages do you know? I know three. I know mm. Urdu, Pashto and English. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, now Toronto is very multicultural though, or no? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mm. And did that help? Uh, in the start, not so much. Mm-hmm. But then uh, when I kind of established myself at my workplace too, mm-hmm. as someone who knows stuff, then it gets easier. And then they accept that now everybody knows that I pray at this time, I have mm-hmm. Eve, or I'm fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally people know and they mm-hmm. respect uh, your time that oh you're, you're fasting mm-hmm. okay I don't want to eat in front of you I'm like no no you can't eat in front of me it's okay <laughs> don't worry about it oh you don't even drink water no no I don't drink water either mm-hmm. so but it's uh, yeah if uh, respectfully I respect every each and every culture religion mm-hmm. point of view but mm-hmm. then I expect the same from them mm-hmm. too and then uh, when they see that you're doing the same for them mostly people are nice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like world over I think uh, mostly people are nice. It's just here and there people are a little bit hmm. crazy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and they're mostly living use. on social media. <laughs> <laughs> Such a bad word to use. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I'm like, I'm going to answer them. Random comment, random people comment on random posts. Yeah. And I'm like, what's their problem? And I need to fight with them. And then I just stop. I'm like, no, stop. There's not enough energy in the world. <laughs> there is not enough energy <laughs> in the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I know. I know. So, okay. Well, I feel like, okay, we got a good overview, a bird's eye view of, um, of your, your life's trajectory to this point. So now I would love to go back and talk a little bit more. Take us back. Um, take us back to where you lived in. Pakistan and just describe it for us. Um, The the landscape around you, the climate, um, was it urban? Was it suburban? Was it rural? Tell tell us about it. So I grew up in two cities. One Mm -hmm. is Kohat in -hmm. Pakistan. Mm -hmm. So it was a town when I was uh, uh, in my young, like when I was younger, it was town. Now it's a very big city. Mm -hmm. So um, so both my cities, Islamabad and Kohat, mm. uh, Islamabad is the uh, capital city of Pakistan. Mm. Uh, so both of them have uh, mountains and hills in the landscape. Mm. We have extreme temperature. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kohat was, is, um, has two kind of um, population. One is rural, one is urban. Mm. Uh, it has a lot of freshwater springs so much fresh fruit like mm. strawberries in fact in west we have strawberry strawberries in these small containers mm. while they have them in vans you just like and cheaper too uh every household have a fresh water well with a motor on it mm. and um 
yes it's like um and very like the air is clean mm. um, this is called co- cohort how do co- i spell that cohort k o h a t cohort oh um, okay yes and uh, islamabad it's one of the beautiful cities in the world yes uh, it's it's very urban it's properly planned yeah um, and it's kind of made on hills mm. it's very green and it has anything you can think of or mm. you want uh loads and loads of flowers um oh, like yeah. of flowers are yes you sent yes. me a picture of a daffodil <laughs> which i we have yes. an early spring here and i thought okay and that's because it's so mountainous that's why the um yes. temperatures are so extreme yes temperatures are very extreme but um everybody like we have so many stalls of uh, flowers and my dad has been bringing flowers since i can remember mm. so and then we have big fields of them mm. so whatever you think of is available in pakistan mm. and people are like rich they're not that what media shows like of course there is different kind of demographics and stuff but mm. generally people are not so poor um lots of education going mm-hmm. on businesses going on mm-hmm. all the latest cars fashion everything uh, you can think of mm-hmm. and it's not it's not unsafe how media shows it i mm-hmm. feel it's more safer something happened to us in canada so i after that i feel it's more safer mm-hmm. to sleep in my house in pakistan than in canada mm-hmm. do you want to and, share what happened in canada or no Yeah just a little bit I'll touch mm-hmm. over it um I was saving that answer for the other mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. about me being critical of west oh we can so, get back to that then yes. <laughs> or or we can bring that we can bring we can bring that up now <laughs> <laughs> um so I am critical in a way of US and west because mm-hmm. I feel if somebody has power mm-hmm. they should have same standards for mm-hmm. everybody for themselves for other people too sometimes nobody invites them and they just go and do whatever they want in different countries and cause chaos in people's mm-hmm. life after 911 i'm not going to go into detail who did mm-hmm. it who didn't do it but there were countries who suffered and we people are still suffering because of the image created by media mm-hmm. like just the ordinary person is shouldn't be blamed it's what the government does right mm-hmm. so so it involved police um our landlord did something to us and that it involved police and then mm. the thing was uh because we are from pakistani muslim family mm. um so it made it more obvious for them that oh they must have he did he uh, blamed us blamed something on us and mm. then the police definitely assumed oh they must have done it mm. and they changed their statement two to three times within 10 12 hours the landlord um, did no the police i see Yeah, so 6:30 a.m. When I talk, we are still living with the trauma right now. My heart is beating when I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. so I'm traumatic. Sorry. So mm-hmm. 6:30 a.m. There was a loud bang in mm-hmm. my house. We were mm-hmm. living in a basement, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh, go, go, go! Open the door! Is the landlord want something? Like he wanted us to go. Uh, uh, he wanted to evict us, but then he said, 'Give us some time,' mm-hmm. and then he just wanted us out. Um, so there were when we, my husband, opened the door. they right away detained him the police they were like i would say 15 16 17 police officers with guns and lasers uh pointing at us mm-hmm. and um 
and I they told me to put my hands up I did but I I was, I was asking like hello what happened mm-hmm. like what did mm-hmm. we do like I was just mm-hmm. making breakfast for my youngest he was mm-hmm. in the washroom mm-hmm. and they said uh, whatever the blame was and then I'm like okay it's fine and then my son came up and then they took him too and he was just woke up and then mm-hmm. they said who's down there I'm like my two daughters can I just let me go with you like I have nothing and then uh, they were calling their names and my daughter was crying at that time and they woke up my middle one the older one too mm-hmm. imagine getting woken up and they looked at me yo this country has rights and it's safe mm-hmm. um so and then everything was cleared Mm-hmm. but then the trauma that it gave us mm-hmm. is uh, still with us and mm-hmm. here um any loud ba- loud uh, bang or something it try it takes me right there mm-hmm. and uh, it raises hair on my neck mm-hmm. every single time it can be every day too mm-hmm. um so that that made me so mad because mm-hmm. i'm like oh human rights where are my human rights here Mm-hmm. So I feel when people say that human rights I was in planning on telling the whole story but mm-hmm. I just did. I'm I'm um, glad you did. I'm glad you did because I think it's uh, important to So uh, yeah, understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Go ahead. So so uh people say that Canada have uh, human rights. Where mm-hmm. are the human rights? Like once mm-hmm. god forbid somebody is stuck in the system there are no rights. It's just mm-hmm. total BS. Mm. so people say like boast about it that this country is this this country is this like no once somebody stuck in the system there's no countries every country is the same mm. and i'm like i feel more safe in my country sleeping than here it's mm. so easy to believe nobody believed us how can someone believe on a random call that they did this to us and come get them there were mm. the whole street was full of cars the police cars Mm. they thought oh we got this group let's go we got stars on our badges and this and that but at the end of the day there was not no such thing that happened so by the end of the day were you already cleared of charges no we had no, to it went on for no, months we, it was just my husband so mm. we uh we got a criminal lawyer for us i wanted to go to the judge or the court but they finished it they said sign the peace thing i i and i told them i'm not going to sign anything mm. why i want to go in front of the judge mm. um but they finished the thing like when you when you are in a different country not rich mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of resources you mm-hmm. just go with the flow and i so that made me so critical of it so mm-hmm. i'm like i have an extremely small platform nobody when obviously would listen to what i'm saying but <laughs> i am going to say what i have to say mm. because i get who's going to say it for other people mm. so i just try to do my part and this makes me so mad i mm-hmm. always think about what i went through and i'm like these people are going through it irrespective mm-hmm. of religion race it can happen to anyone mm-hmm. uh, i share about every religion or race if they're mm-hmm. going through stuff mm-hmm. then i'm just passionate about rights that mm-hmm. everybody has a right to defend themselves in a way verbally that this happened and this didn't happen they should have access to resources to mm. protect themselves it's so such muddy water thing when somebody's in that kind of situation it is very true that the legal system is not a system you want to get caught up in we've oh my god had, yes yes it's 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 um it's yeah. it's a we we've actually just had a situation uh in my not my immediate family but um mm-hmm. there are rules to the game and you mm-hmm. don't know them 
uh, yes. and the people who are making decisions all know them. And it's a very scary thing. Um, once you get involved, it's very scary. Yes. It's yeah, very scary. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. You just don't know what to do. And at that, that particular month I was doing, getting, like mm-hmm. I was dealing with this. I had to look mm-hmm. for a place. I had to live with my sister for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I was doing my placements. I was uh, getting paper ready for uh, citizenship that mm-hmm. whole month. I didn't know if it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday. Mm-hmm. I had to keep it together because mm-hmm. I was making uh, everything. Like I was dealing with everything, all the paperwork and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And was this, this was... Uh... Soon, no, this was about 10 years after 9 11. So, you didn't, you don't feel that it was like this specific aftermath of like anti Muslim sentiment after 9 11 or anything like that. Um, it's because I think it's because my country's name is attached to me mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. religion too. Mm-hmm. Pakistan, oh, terrorists and all those things. Mm-hmm. We are not, we are actually, uh, we are actually stuck with different countries and we have to take care of their cater to their needs or they're going to overthrow the the better governments just like they did now um so but yeah i it's crazy and it happened Mm -hmm. in 2018 it happened in 20 oh just five just five years ago years ago yeah okay 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 yeah what what did you just say i missed it sorry about um you you you're stuck with some countries and you have to take care of their oh needs. no um like uh, smaller countries or third world countries mm-hmm. um we have to we have to entertain the needs of the bigger countries right mm-hmm. or different things can arise they can overthrow the better governments and everything so that at that time the government listened to them and went in with them mm-hmm. With whatever they wanted them to do at that time but um we suffered a lot as a nation too with it the pack it Pakistan. was none of Pakistan. It was none of our business. Not that we were not even involved. But then, end of the day, every everybody was involved in it. The whole world was involved in it. You're saying after nine eleven, all yes, the aftermath, 9/11. the invasion of Iraq, all that, the aftermath yes. ended up affecting. How did that affect Pakistanis? And so, did it um, and did it affect you more as a Pakistani or more as a Muslim? I think more as a Muslim. Mm. Uh, because um, a lot of Muslim countries suffered after that. Mm. But our country were, had to go with the U.S. to help them mm-hmm. uh, with Afghanistan because uh, they also helped, I think, U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, overthrow Russia, Soviet Union in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So it, And then we had the biggest migration in history from Afghanistan to Pakistan, mm-hmm. like history of the world. Mm-hmm. Um and then I think we've been just uh, cleaning other people's messes. Mm. I can see what you're saying because we, like the U.S., for instance, sent people to Iraq and Afghanistan, and frankly, most of the population forgot about it uh, unless they would see, you know, a veteran come back or something. But yeah. you were there on the border of Afghanistan, you know, receiving refugee after refugee after refugee, millions of how many refugees? Uh, let me Google. I can. Yeah, I was like, I'm sitting right here. I can Google. <laughs> I do you know how ignorant I am? I actually had to Google the map 
to see that Pakistan and Afghanistan to see the border. I didn't, my geography is abhorrent. I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. It's embarrassing. Um, no, no, it's okay. Um, because, refugees. Uh, yeah. From So it says that um, UN's report says 1.4 million registered Afghans. Mm. are still in Pakistan. And these are registered. Not everybody's registered. Right, so. of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we know that about... And they live with us, obviously. We live like uh, brothers and sisters. They mm. do their businesses. They live. They try to go... Lots of them try to do their immigration. Lots of them end up going to Europe, Germany, mm. and, uh, uh, US, whoever can afford it. And lots of them just stay here. Uh, I actually have very good relationship with some of them when they were working in my house Mm -hmm. helping us or just like we still talk to each other it's Mm -hmm. yeah we just they're so integrated in our society now like Mm -hmm. we don't even think there's somebody else Mm -hmm. yeah 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 Again, thank you all so much for tuning in today. I just want to ask for three favors and I will make it very quick. First of all, would you please hit subscribe so you can continue to hear stories uh, like Saima's and also unlike Saima's stories from around the globe on Wednesdays. Um, Second, would you please forward or share this episode to someone you think would enjoy it? Uh, that is the best way for me to gain um, new listeners. And thirdly, would you please leave a five-star rating and review? Those help me so much, um, whichever platform you leave them on. And if you're not sure how to leave them on a platform, or if you're not listening to this, if you're listening from the website, then that's no problem. Just scroll all the way down in the show notes or on the blog post, if that's where you are. And where it says about this podcast, you will see a link under uh, leave a review. If you click that link, any option that's available to you on the device that you're using right now will automatically show up and it will be super easy for you to leave a rating and review. That's it. Thank you so much. And now back to Saima. Yeah. And going back to that, um, going back to the original situation that has made you, like you said, just so critical of the West and you know, question, question when the West boasts about um, their, their human rights and freedoms and stuff like that. You were saying, I I think, tell me if I'm incorrect in what I'm understanding. You were saying something like that could happen in Pakistan, like a mistake could happen, but there it wouldn't be assumed of you. Like you feel that it was assumed of you because you were Pakistani and Muslim and it wouldn't be assumed of you there. Yes, like my yeah. landlord mm-hmm. made only one call and he got the whole army of police ready mm-hmm. in front of our house. How? Mm-hmm. Like, how does that happen? You can't even catch a person who breaks into a shop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. who just uh, uh, steal somebody's cars. Mm-hmm. They just say, oh, they're gone. We can't do anything. You know, all that thing. And then for mm-hmm. this little phone call, how do you? Mm-hmm. Then they were asking me, uh, you better tell us. If you have any guns or stuff, I'm like, you also better tell me that if you find any gun, will you do forensic reports on it? They Mm -hmm. questioned me for hours. Like I wasn't the person who was accused of it. Mm -hmm. And they said, you don't have to come, but if you want to come, I'm like, yes, I want to come. They were like, do you want to change clothes? I'm like, no, I don't want to change my clothes. Mm -hmm. I was just sitting there and they were just asking me the same questions over and over Mm -hmm. and over again. Mm -hmm. So... Mm-hmm. And I told them, you. I even told them, you guys know everything. So why don't you take out everything 
from the time we were born to now if you did anything please let me know too and they were like <laughs> they were <laughs> laughing so yeah it just it was just whatever is coming to my mind i was telling them like you know what why don't you guys call a hypnotist and hypnotize me and ask me those questions cuz this Mm-hmm. How long did you stay in that? I mean, you must have wanted to get out of oh, there as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. My husband was detained, and then I stayed there too for ten to twelve hours, both of us. And then mm-hmm. my they said us they told us you can go now. And then I asked the person, uh, "How do I do a case on you guys?" So they looked at each other. Mm-hmm. I just said it. I just threw the word anyway. You said, <laughs> "How do you do was, what? How do you do what? How do I sue police or how do oh. I?" Get, how do I do these things? They just looked mm-hmm. at each other and I'm like, I just threw that word in. I, yeah, like, I yeah, just yeah. threw that sentence because I was so mad and yeah. like so stressed out. I wasn't scared or afraid because mm-hmm. I've seen guns all my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we Pashtun people, this is like our jewelry. So mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. But the whole episode of all of it and going, my kids and my family mm-hmm. going through it, mm-hmm. it just... Because I was always the girl person who defends people in school mm-hmm. in college. I can tell they would, mm-hmm. they would the the first day they do fooling and I slapped two people and they came after me and then I was standing there. My friend was pulling me and was like, "No, no, I want to stay here." What is this? Wait, what is this? This is like is this like hazing in in college or something? Yes, yes, hazing in college. So yeah, so I was just standing there. There was a big group, you know uh-huh. those. Uh, popular girls group uh-huh. this is back in this is back in and when Nin- you went this to is co- 97 yes when you went to college in pakistan yes islamabad oh so oh, islamabad yeah okay yes and islamabad, then they yeah. something yes they threw something at me and my friend and i just swung my arm like this they hit her back <laughs> and they came after 10 they came after 10 minutes and then with the whole group but mm. that group also had the president of the council or thing and then i told them i'm like why and then they just um, said it's okay so okay. so that girl stared at me for 3 years very bad <laughs> did nothing i did nothing either <laughs> that's great that's great that's so great so um yeah going back there back to back to um pakistan and your childhood you tell me about the people in the home that you grew up in. So um, it sounds like this is a culture where it's very common to go live with your in-laws. So did you live with your father's family? And then you said a lot oh. of your food memories revolve around him. Tell me about that yes. too. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, when my dad and mom got married, they went. Mm. They moved to another city, which is close to Islamabad, because mm. my dad was uh, first uh, working as a professor Mm-hmm. In uh, um, engineering university in Peshawar, and then oh, wow. he got a job in. Uh, yeah, he's a retired uh, chief engineer. Wow. So he, uh, so uh, his mom and the other family. So in our culture, if somebody's living in a city and stuff, and uh, a little well-to-do kind of person, then mm. lots of family visit them, yeah. uh, spends a night at their house, do all their chores, errands, offices, or mm. just to uh, chill and. Uh, see the sites and stuff mm-hmm. so i don't remember one single day that we don't have people in my house um, wow growing up and wow. here and there, very randomly yes that is not uh, western <laughs> that is not western okay. uh, um, 
And so my oh, mom, yeah, uh-huh. go ahead, please. No, no, I just, I mean, is that something you think anyone can get used to? Like, or do you think it exhausted your your mom and dad? Uh, I think to, at that time, like my dad is very generous with guests mm. and stuff, but mm-hmm. now that he thinks about it, like he's not, uh, he doesn't say, oh, why I did it. But now he moved back to the town, uh, his uh, hometown, which is Kohat, mm-hmm. after retirement, uh, he sees how people change. Mm. Uh, on those kind of things but at that time no and but the in-laws mm. um, they would come and go and just the other extended family far away cousins everybody and wow. then um, growing up in Islamabad when they came to Islamabad when we were younger we um, so we had we had a lot of help in at home like mm-hmm. from a driver to a chef to gardener to this and that all those wow. five to six seven people Mm. Um, so I remember, like, I don't, I didn't even do anything. Mm. I was just in my own world mm. of storybooks and music and mm. leather chains and black nail polishes. Kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> was that a harsh awakening when you had to start to take care of your own family? Yes, it was a complete, that's why, that's why I said that if I was a bit mature or new, mm. I like, um, I always wanted to bachelors of commerce. So, mm. and I shortlisted a university, mm-hmm. but then, um, then, but yeah, it was a harsh awakening. Mm. Did you, did you, did you ever cook? Uh, when I was not married, not so much, but when our chef would go on holidays, then my parents, my parents and mom always cooked even when they were there. But then mm. we would also go in the kitchen and help out. So mm. surprisingly or strangely, uh, I knew how to cook when I got married. And I also wanted to cook yummy dishes for my kids, mm. which were wholesome mm-hmm. when they were little, even now. Mm-hmm. And when I cook, I, when I share it with someone, it gets me so excited and mm. happy then. I can cook for like 50 people and mm-hmm. I, it would be, and then otherwise I can't even cook for myself. So. <laughs> yeah, because I, I relate to that. Right. Yeah. And so, and, and you didn't need to, you must've really loved it because you didn't need to learn to cook. Um, yes. like you're saying, but you just, you, there was something that just kind of kept always calling to you from the kitchen. Yes. Mm. Yes. And you said so many of your food memories involve your dad, which frankly is unusual for me to hear. Tell me a little more about that. So my mom obviously cooked too, and she was always mm. a partner with my dad. Mm. But then my dad, when he buys produce and stuff, he looks at them, look, this is so beautiful. Look at this mango, smell it. Wow, it's so good. Like all those mm. kind of things. Mm-hmm. So that made me appreciate. And I would be sitting with them. They would mm-hmm. uh, buy, a, like my ba- dad would buy produce and bring it uh, in the backyard with big mm-hmm. tubs, water, and they would wash it, dry it, and put it in the fridge. Wow. So that was kind of a ritual thing. Mm-hmm. And then he would bring flowers regularly and smell them mm-hmm. and look at them, listen to old music. Mm-hmm. So all that when I saw, and then he would buy books. Uh, and I would read, I don't know why, but I read all Urdu and English newspaper, whatever came to my house. I would mm-hmm. read from A to Z um, mm-hmm. because he would read it. So I would read it too. Mm-hmm. So um, he would cook, uh, for example, he would cook plain lentils, but then he would put clarified ghee in it. Look, smell it. It's so mm-hmm. good. Eat it, eat it. It's good for you. And then we were like, okay, let's eat it. It's good mm-hmm. for us. So mm-hmm. every, yeah, all those sense memories and then, um, in Eid, the dish that I'm telling mm-hmm. you, mutton karahi. Mm-hmm. So it just requires a little bit. So when we sacrifice, so that would be your question about faith. 
um, no, or um, actually, yes, your question about that this dish that I yes. ate for Eid al-Adha. Yes, you said you ate it for Eid, but not, there's two Eids, right? Yes. Okay, this so is the one that's not right after Ramadan. No, it's not. It's, um, so you want to ask the question? Or uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not. So what what is this one about and what is what is the history just in terms of like what does the Quran tell you yes. about this <clears throat> and what does it mean to you in terms of um like what does it mean to you spiritually and then also what was your practice of it, you know, um like what memories yeah. are associated with it. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Islam. So we have two Eids, two main mm. two celebration in Islam. One is Eid al-Fitr, which is which comes after Ramadan, and then Eid al-Adha, mm. which uh, uh, which is the last uh, month of Islamic calendar. Islamic mm-hmm. calendar is based on lunar calendar. Mm-hmm. It's called Hij Hijri calendar. Mm-hmm. So it comes after the pilgrimage that oh. we do uh, uh, yeah. in Mecca and Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia every year. Whoever mm-hmm. can afford it. Mm-hmm. And it's done on the tenth day of uh, of uh, Zulhijjah. The month is called Zulhijjah, so tenth day of the final month of Islamic lunar calendar. I see. So uh, it is not really connected to Hajj, mm-hmm. but um, it's uh, it's it's done to in the memory of Prophet Ibrahim. Mm. Uh, yes, when he was asked uh, to send his son Ismail, Prophet Ismail, mm-hmm. uh, with his wife Hajar. Mm-hmm. or Hajra Bibi we call her mm-hmm. uh, to a land where there was nothing and then Saudi Arabia the Makkah and Medina was going to be founded way later mm-hmm. um, so he was asked to sacrifice his son mm-hmm. for the will of Allah and mm-hmm. um, uh, he said okay and then he was about to do it but then God, uh, Allah or God mm-hmm. uh, replaced the replaced the son with a ram yeah. and then in honor of that sacrifice or mm-hmm. in honor of that submission, mm-hmm. we were given this Eid or celebration where we, any Muslim who can afford it, mm-hmm. uh, do has to do the, the sacrifice of mm-hmm. an animal, whichever people do goats, lamb, not lamb, sheep, mm-hmm. um, uh, camels, whatever mm-hmm. one can afford. Mm-hmm. And then they're divided into three parts, the meat, one is mm-hmm. for family and friends, one is for poor people and one is for you. So, mm-hmm. Uh, when we sacrificed the animal, mostly we did it at home because my father would do it mm. and we would just stand and watch. So, mm. and then the first batch of the meat would be uh, always a uh, grilled meat, like barbecued. Mm. And then did you um, say the brain, the brain meat, the brain? No, the barbecues like charcoal grilled. Oh, the mm-hmm, first. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brain was also cooked. <laughs> yeah. So I cooked it very good, actually. Um, you so cooked it. I cook it now. Mm. At that time, no. At that mm. time, I, I would be like, yo, what's that? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and then the second batch of food for lunch, mostly mm-hmm. in our houses, would be uh, um, this kind of meat. The, this kind of uh, food. Oh, the, uh, mu- mutton, the, mu- karahi, the mutton. The mutton karahi. Yeah, yes. I see. So okay. They would take a lot of meat because, and it's best cooked with fresh cut, like freshly slaughtered meat. Mm. It's best cooked that kind of taste. It's mm. completely different when you cook it. And these animals are really taken care of. So they're mm. like really happy animals with very good meat and the fats too. Yeah. So did you have like a um 
So a couple of questions, because I've never, um, I've never spoken to anyone who's performed a sacrificial ritual before. So I'm a Christian. I'm very familiar with the Bible. There's a lot of this in the old Testament and I, I, I don't, and it's, uh, I guess simulated in some ways, right? Like, or mm-hmm. like uh, in certain um, religious performances and like Judaism and Christianity. Yes, yes. But um, did you have other events that you sacrificed for? And did you have kind of like a flock that you would take one from, or would you go to um, a yes. market or something like that specifically to get a live animal? Um, so, uh... This is how we do it. Mostly mm. people don't own these animals because mm. uh, only the people who have livestock at home, that's a different thing. People raise their animals for it, but we were right. Born. And your yes, area was yes. fairly urban. Like you weren't living in a rural, you weren't living on a farm. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then uh, when it's eat close to eat time, mm. even before months, uh, you start seeing these little, little markets and big markets with the, all the livestock, all kind mm-hmm. of different animals, and people start buying them. People mm-hmm. who have space in their houses, they buy it earlier, mm-hmm. like 10 days earlier, a week earlier, two days earlier, and mm-hmm. take care of them because it also wow. is a very good d- deed to do it. And if somebody don't have space, they just go the day off or the night off, oh. keep it take care of them and then uh, slaughter the animal. Wait, what part is the good deed? Taking care of it or slaughtering? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, Taking care of is obviously a good deed. Okay. But then uh, because it's kind of like a duty or thing Uh, that you have to sacrifice an animal if you can afford it. There's a certain, uh, I forgot, there's a certain amount of silver Mm. or gold or money you need to own for a year to Mm. be eligible to be um, doing a sacrifice of your own. And okay. if you can't, then you don't have to. Okay. Because lots of people can't because they get more expensive close to eat. And everybody wants to sell their stuff a more expensive. <laughs> right. It's, crazy. it's actually crazy how expensive it gets. Right. Okay. So you're, n- okay. So it's, it's, it's a good deed to take care of the animal, but it also happens to be cheaper. <laughs> It's too, yeah, it's yeah, no, yeah. it's very yeah, it's very expensive okay. when you buy the uh, animal for eat. But yeah. people now, people show off, right? They say like, "Oh, I bought it for this much. Mine is this much beautiful. Mine is I I got yeah. these many." So you know, everything is wow. Gets okay. Stuff. And is that the only? Um, well, so two questions: Is that the only? Um, holiday that you would perform a sacrificial ritual for and what do you yes. do now in Canada yes so we that's the only mm. uh, holiday or celebration where we do this and in Canada so we have these a lot of um, uh, Muslim shops mm-hmm. Persian shops Pakistani shops all those shops they take our orders mm. so we we place an order and we give them money Mm-hmm. And this day, not on the day off, the next day or the day after, they give us, they call us, your meat is ready to take. So we take mm-hmm. the meat. Mm-hmm. So, and also there are so many charities. Mm-hmm. You can just give the money to them, not get the meat, but they will give the meat world over to poor people or even the. Food. Oh, you can. Okay. Because it's not we necessarily the eating of it, it's the yes. slaughtering of it that remembers, people, like, yes. yeah, how God we provided just, the ram. Yes. What um so how do you then um how do you then commemorate that? Like if the act of the slaughtering is what is reminding you that God provided this alternative to um 
to the sun, what um, what do you do? Like there must be another ritualistic way to remember that. You see what I'm saying? Uh, like, oh, like, okay, we sacrifice, but what else do we do or we learn? From well, I'm saying thing? now that you can't sacrifice anymore, like, is there a way that you you know, like I'm, I'm thinking, um, like now that we're so separated from those systems, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And our religions, like we're very separated from, from these systems right now. We can, yeah, there's things we do. do. Yeah. Like we, we try to like Canada, Mm -hmm. um, like, Oh, um, so there are farms here. We are where Mm -hmm. we can go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't go. So okay, okay, <laughs> yes. But then, how we celebrated, how we showed mm-hmm. to our kids is that um, there is always a morning prayer mm. where all the Muslims go and we pray over there. Mm-hmm. Then we come home, um, we get the meat, we mm-hmm. separate, we show it like we place it in the kitchen on a mm-hmm. clean mat, mm-hmm. and then because it's a lot of meat, our kids notice it, and we tell them <laughs> why we <laughs> why we did it and mm. uh, why we are doing it why they should be doing it and what we learn from it mm-hmm. that um submission to god or allah doesn't like there there has to be a part of your in our life we should have faith mm. um and it's so we sh- like we talk about it that we do it because how i like the question is how we do it here in Canada because it's like what our roots are, where we are used to doing it and everybody else is doing it kind of thing. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, I think you really answered it. It's just how do you acknowledge that God provided a sacrifice, like God provided an animal so that the son did not have to be killed. Like, is there a way that you, like a a, a sacrificial ritual is extremely sensory it's very memorable um and i'm wondering this is obviously such a significant event and yes the lesson is so significant that god um if you submit to god he will provide you know is there i'm i'm just wondering if there's something that's also like a sensory way of you know you dip your finger in wine or something you know what i mean oh no 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 i get it yes 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 um, so no, uh, the only thing is, it's better if you ask your kids to see to mm. see it, that uh, to realize to that they become strong. Mm. That um, the uh, world around us is not an easy place to be, mm. and uh, we can't protect our kids from everything. Mm. So they need to know the right and the wrong, mm. and how to be compassionate. And also, uh, sometimes you you have to do something more sensory and stronger thing to right. get things in life but not necessarily by hating on people or right. by crushing other people you have to see that uh, being a compassionate person working hard mm. uh, has its benefits and mm. god will help you as long as you're working hard not blaming other people keep doing your stuff mm. so just like prophet ibrahim was granted like it's a big thing for him to kind of kill his son Mm-hmm. Um, but he was being tested. So when we mm-hmm. are being tested in our life, regular day-to-day life, mm-hmm. not to say that, oh, I'm not loved by anyone. Like it kind of prevents us from depression too, that we are not alone. We are protected by a creator who's mm-hmm. looking at us, who's listening to us, mm-hmm. who will provide for us. Um, mm-hmm. And this gives us a lot of positivity towards our life mm-hmm. and to help other people too, that somebody's watching. Mm-hmm. So why should I do something bad or 
immoral to other people. For me, it's always how I deal with other people mm. is more important. With <laughs> me, mm. it's different. Mm. But um, how I ex- use my knowledge or my religion mm-hmm. to help other people. Not necessarily I'm telling them, oh, become Muslim or I am mm-hmm. preaching my religion. Not at all. Like mm-hmm. I'm not in favor of preaching my religion mm-hmm. at all. But what mannerism I learned from it, I just be stay kind and stuff. So mm-hmm. maybe they will see that we are not who we are, who we are portrayed as to be. Mm-hmm. And we are just normal, regular people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I had another guest once and she was saying that her mother lived her religion. Um, It sounds like you're saying you don't want to preach it as much as you want to live it. Yes. Like, uh, like just smiling at people like I have this habit of smiling at everyone. Mm. If I see like they won't not necessarily they would think look at her she's so weird <laughs> so you know people think but i'm like you know what if i see it sometimes you just smile at people and they smile mm-hmm. mostly they smile back um mm-hmm. i would just mm-hmm. be going and if i see there's a rock or something i would just remove it mm-hmm. uh i can see if somebody like at my workplace or anywhere i, I can see if somebody's not in a good mm-hmm. mood i would just compliment them oh nice hair mm-hmm. uh, i will try to t- uh, help them without even them knowing like this is what what's been taught to me since uh, I've like if I see somebody has a headache I would quickly try to make them tea or mm-hmm. like do something for them that I can and then mm-hmm. I have it's given me so much patience mm-hmm. which is not always a good thing because I give I trust very easily and I try to I think everybody's the same mm-hmm. but um, I just try on my part like I just try to be as supportive to people as I can because mm-hmm. that's what my religion teaches me. Mm-hmm. But I don't do it. Oh, my religion teaches me, but because it's just so ingrained, the, mm-hmm. the good manners are so important in Islam too, and in regular life too. So good mm-hmm. manners shows that you were raised by good parents, and then you, I think it's very important to mm-hmm. just have a positive impact around you. I try, not necessarily I do it. Mm. Uh, am I am I successful in it all the time? But I do try. Well, you've been a big I, encouragement to me. You always um, bring a lot of pleasantness and warmth <laughs> to me uh, oh, online. So I can I can speak to that. And I wanted to ask you more about this because I, um, yes. like I said, it's very you're very um, you don't hide that you're a woman of oh. faith, um, yes. and that. Uh, Islam is very important to you and it's very personal to you. And I wanted to ask about that because I think that in, um, I think when you grow up in a religious community, um, mm-hmm. a couple things can happen. One, you can just rebel completely and mm-hmm. say, I just, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Um, that happens for a lot of reasons, but especially a lot of times when people have just been hurt and they've seen mm-hmm. hypocrisy. Um yes. Then another thing that can happen is it just becomes, yeah, it's it's just becomes a very cultural thing. Um, there's kind of mores that everyone shares. There's traditions everybody shares, and it's just a very comfortable way of living. And then I think a third thing that can happen is someone really adopts it as their own, and um, and and believes and acts um, and and takes comfort in what they believe is a real relationship with God. I believe that I have a true relationship with God. Like he knows me and I know him. And I sense that you feel that as well. And I'm curious if there was like a, um, 
Like, is there a time when it just stopped becoming just something you taught? Is there a time where you went through a period of questioning where you thought, is any of this true? And then you came to a conclusion, like you wanted to have God in your life. I guess I'm just wondering, how did this become so personal to you? So, um, Obviously, we grew up uh, in a Muslim family. Mm-hmm. So what we saw when we opened our eyes is always uh, people praying around us, mm. but also living their lives. Mm-hmm. Nothing was stopping them from living life. Mm-hmm. But our, And our religion actually encourages you to live life beautifully mm. um, and enjoy everything that God has provided to us, except for a few things which are not allowed. Mm. Um uh, yes, because we are when we live in a Muslim country, everybody's doing it, so it's just a normal thing for you, and you don't really question a lot of things because so sometimes you don't even think about them. Uh, for me, it was like till eighteen, mm-hmm. till the time I got married, I was like a normal Muslim. Mm-hmm. What my parents are doing, I'm doing it too. Mm-hmm. But it, it was ingrained in me. We would fast, all those things with excitement, celebrate Eid and stuff. But the real meaning of it started mm-hmm. slowly when I got um, married and my husband left. So I went back. And mm-hmm. then uh, there's this um, organization, Al Huda. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of uh, Quran teachings and uh, meanings of uh, an explanation of Quran and the Hadith. Hadith is something which is said by our Prophet Muhammad. Wasallam. So it's called the Hadith. So mm-hmm. they do a lot of explaining of that. So I started listening to that. And then I started the uh, translation of Quran too. Mm, what so is that? when I start uh, like from Arabic text to mm-hmm. my own language, because otherwise we read the Arabic text, but then I started reading. Oh, the you started translating it, it. Yes. Translating. Oh, into, like we okay. have books, like we have Quran's with translations mm-hmm, and language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I started listening to them and then to, and started thinking about all the things. Cause then when you, I, I feel when we see a little uh, hard times in our lives mm-hmm. that either make like brings us closer to God or mm-hmm. farther away from God. Mm-hmm. So it brought me closer to God. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a refuge for me that I would just ask from about everything from God. And, mm-hmm. and then the next day or a few days later, I would get it or mm-hmm. I would get an answer somehow mm-hmm. um, like while just... reading the text. Mm-hmm. Yes, the somehow mm-hmm. it will satisfy my questions or whatever mm-hmm. hardships I'm going through. Mm-hmm. It was my saving thing for me. Mm-hmm. So now my like somebody tries to tell me stuff, my beliefs are very clear and I know mm-hmm. exactly what I believe in and what my religion taught, mm-hmm. teaches me. Mm-hmm. So it's so personal mm-hmm. um, that I feel like life is not easy to live obviously mm-hmm. but that connection it keeps mm-hmm. me so positive mm-hmm. i get uh, i get depressed here and there mm-hmm. but i try my best to go out of it mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's possible sometimes it's not but end of the day i i end up praying a little bit more mm-hmm. and connecting to god separately mm-hmm. alone with mm-hmm. myself in a room mm-hmm. and just cry it out mm-hmm. so that yeah. uh, helps me a lot yeah. And you're saying when you were when you were saying you would ask for something and two or three days later you would get it. You don't mean you would ask for a new pair of shoes and then like three days later you get a new <laughs> pair of shoes. You're saying you would say you yeah. you would you were reading More emotional. and you didn't understand and you would ask for some wisdom or some insight or just for some clarity and then you would receive it. That too, but like mm. sometimes I would be split making about a decision. 
mm. or I would be just so desperate about some situation mm-hmm. that I can't control. Mm-hmm. But then when I'm reading the text from Quran, mm. a verse, suddenly uh, Allah will show me this verse. Mm. I would just read it. Just randomly, sometimes I'll be flipping the pages. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just stop at a page and then look at the verse suddenly. And that verse translation mm. would give me so much comfort mm-hmm. that it's, I don't know how to explain it. It just mm-hmm. answers what I am going through right away. Like mm-hmm. Allah is talking to me. Just randomly flipping pages and I stop somewhere and I look at it and that it it gives me so much it gave me so much strength to go mm-hmm. through what I whatever I went through in my life. Mm-hmm. So that made it so personal. So every time there's a problem, I think, okay, this is what it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But then I believe that that like these things the mm-hmm. do come in our life, but they will go. It's not mm-hmm. forever. And um, so after every difficulty, there will be ease. If I'm going through something, even for a long time, mm-hmm. 100%, it will be solved. And I will see some ease in my situation. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to tell people around me too. And when I'm trying to comfort them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Thank you very much for answering that. I was really wanting to... I, I really appreciate that answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the last thing I'd like to ask about, because you've been really generous and you've given me more than an hour, which I appreciate. But um, the last thing that I'd like to ask about is going way back to the recipe, because now yeah. I feel like I have such a good handle on why you chose it, um, the meaning behind it, the um i even have a visual <laughs> it's quite a visual <laughs> yeah i don't know how it. i don't know how yeah i don't know how my brother like i talked to my dad and i'm like i need some question answered about the dish and then he told me about his uh his father and grandfather too uh-huh. uh, that's another big story but it's okay so what? no uh, tell me then, tell me what is it so so yeah my dad's dad he uh-huh. was a landlord uh-huh and um 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 he was a water water diviner. Water diviner is somebody who, uh, yeah. who can tell who where can there's tell water. water. Yes, where to dig a well, not. right? Yes, and then uh, he would tell you. Um, with I wrote it. My my dad told me the whole thing about it. Um, so he said that my dad would charge five hundred rupees in nineteen sixties, which is a major amount. I'm like, uh-huh. that's why my grandfather was rich and buying that. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you can edit it out. I'm just joking. Um, so he would tell um, that if the water has what kind of minerals it has, uh-huh. the differentiation between it, and if it's of um, uh, like freshwater spring, uh-huh. the flowing uh-huh. direction of the spring, where it's flowing, um, the depth he, of the water, all all underground, right? All underground from the top, and how far to dig. If uh-huh. it's salty and sweet, just from above, and the quantity, how much cubic cubic feet uh, the water is running, and uh-huh. all those things, he would just tell from the top. Uh, is this like a scientific process, or is this a spiritual? Kind had, of? I think it's a scientific yeah. uh, process because he had this uh, instrument, yeah. and they say that your body needs to have certain kind of electromagnetic thing uh-huh. or rays. Uh-huh. For it to work with you, and then it would move. But then the all the information that how the water is actually uh-huh. that he would just tell by himself. And this was this was 
proven. Like he would say, dig here, and then he would be right. Yes, yes. People would take him and charge a very good amount of money for fresh well water and springs because wow. a lot of it was farmlands. I'm like, like, good. <laughs> like, wow. That's, yeah. Oh, and he made his money fun. doing that just as much as being yeah, a landlord. I, Oh, yeah, wow. because my dad would work on the farmland too, and then he would get ready for school and college and university. He said we wow. were supposed to do our part of chores. They were four brothers and two sisters, so they oh, okay. said we did our all our chores, and then we did we would go to school or college or universities. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. his father, my great grandfather, mm-hmm. he was a very tall guy, seven feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. He was also a yes, he was a landlord, and in late nineteen eighty. 1800s mm-hmm. um you know british rule was still there right mm-hmm. so we have these two forts in peshawar and kohat mm-hmm. so he would be uh, they didn't have um, any transporter stuff the british mm-hmm. so he would uh, once a week i think go on his white camel and be uh, do the postal services for them from one fort wow. to another fort wow 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 that were cool <laughs> your grandfather was cool did you say yeah I was like, wow. <laughs> like, both of them. <laughs> wow wow that's amazing i i gotta be honest i'm still stuck on this water divination thing i mean you could yeah you could knock me over with it's a feather like right just now just amazing like that's how incredible. do you know yeah that's incredible I'm like he should have taught me but he died before me <laughs> <laughs> so oh my word yeah. Although I guess now I don't even know what they use now. I wonder how they even do that scientifically now. Like, I wonder uh, if you, yeah. Like my brother pretends that he knows a little bit. My, <laughs> my older brother, <laughs> he has that instrument. Uh, it's a long wire and some uh-huh. thing, some metal is hanging. And he's like, look, look, it moves. I'm like, yeah, it's such a long string. Of course it can move. It's he's dragging like, no, on the no, ground. Look. <laughs> No, look, look, I'm not moving. It's moving. That is is crazy. That is crazy. Okay. I'm going to be thinking about this while I make this dish. (laughs) I just have a couple more questions about it. What um, you said, it's the second, like the first part of the meat you immediately eat and you barbecue. And then this is the second part of the meat that you use to make this. So what cut of lamb am I looking for when I make this? Um, and yes, is it so, with a bone uh, or no bone? What am I looking for? Yeah, with bone and a little bit with no bone. Um, oh. So the shanks, uh-huh. uh, short shoulders, mm-hmm. and uh, I did my research. Shoulder and then chops and some lamb fat in it. Okay. Now that's like a lot of lamb. I mean, that's going to make you enough. You can for... take a little bit. Yes. You, yeah. Your family would be like, hmm, we're stuck. <laughs> So I could, but <laughs> so how many, how many, when you, when you guys make this, how many pounds of meat is this? Oh, you. So I am such a bad person to ask this. Yeah. I just pick it up and put it in the, dump it in the big, like a very big uh, pot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Five, I mean, you four, said six, a seven, cup six. of ghee, which is a lot. So I'm figuring it's a lot of meat. Yes. One kg or one kilogram that's about two pounds to two yes, 2.2 pounds two. okay yeah okay. you can uh, actually the ghee can be a little bit less because you would be putting uh, fat in it too yeah so it's going to create so much fat yeah so, yeah you can okay. uh, just do half cup and then if you're adding fat to it too okay and uh, you can always make it based on your uh, preference too if you don't want to have too much uh animal fat in it yeah um 
yeah, it's more preferences. Some people put it, some people don't. Uh, I personally don't okay. like it that much. So you're not saying that, um, like, are you saying the fat that's like just, it's a well-marbled piece of meat and so there's a fat attached to it? Or are you saying you buy separate fat? So with lamb, mm. in lamb meat, there's always uh, fat comes with it. In mm. their body, they have fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that, what's it's called? The sheeps, when you, mm-hmm. if you look at their pictures or if you look at them, they have a round, big thing in the back. Mm. You know what? what's this called hmm. it's all fat so we add that fat too in in the in oh the yes oh no okay so this oh it's oh oh it's tallow yes i've always okay. heard of tallow that's what they used to make um uh candles out of yes oh it's so tail can, fat Oh. Yes, tail fat too, and the meat also has fat too. So if you can't find the tail fat, the meat will have fat attached to yeah. it too. Like, like not well marbled, but there's a fat attached to pieces okay. too. Right, and, and yeah. then right, and then I could just if I can't find tallow or whatever, I can just use more ghee. I, that's mm-hmm. when I would use like the cup of ghee or something. Yes, it could be kind of and slow cooked. And onions, you asked which kind of onions to use Mm. for um, salad. salad. It can Mm -hmm. be the regular one. We also have sweet ones. Sweet ones are better because they Mm -hmm. then it's easier to eat and put lots of lemon on it. So it's Mm -hmm. and thinly sliced uh, green chilies on it. It Mm. it really uh, Uh, makes the dish. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go easy on the green chilies, but. Um, yeah (laughs) what about oh how how long would you expect this to take me to cook like so can I cook it in a crock pot I mean you would do it on the stove but can I do it in a crock pot and how long yeah crock pot would be uh the best way to do it too Mm -hmm. because it's slow cooked Mm -hmm. so uh, in a crock pot when it's when it gets hot I'm just trying to think four to Mm -hmm. five hours four to five hours yeah Mm-hmm. Yes. And in a pot, I would say because the heat is, he, he can control the heat more mm-hmm. Then that would be two to three hours mm-hmm. here and there, just go and mix it well. And then put the lid on here and there, okay. go and put the mix it and put the lid on. Okay. So it will naturally release all the juices and uh, flavor. Okay. Okay. And then when, um, when going on to the salad, um, mm-hmm. Is this, I mean, onions are, have a very strong flavor. Um, once you cover them with the lemon juice, do you like immediately eat it? Or is it one of those things where, um, oh, what is it? Um, you know, almost like pickled onions. Pickled, or, yes. Yes. Like, or we eat onions with sumac, like, uh, you know, the Palestinian, my husband's yes, family, yes, like, yes. and they really lose, they still have some sharpness, but it's not so strong. So are you kind of like yes. supposed to let this sit for a minute? So it's not. Yeah. Okay. So okay. it also it also is a more taste wise. Some people eat it directly. Mm. Some people cut the onions like two pieces mm-hmm. and then put them in cold water so all mm. the bitterness goes away and mm. then cut it. Uh, what mm. we do is I just cut it and put all the lemon and stuff on it and just put it in the fridge so I don't mm-hmm. have to do it in the end. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of gets pickled and it gets really sweet mm-hmm. and the crunchiness with that uh, succulent meat it and then naan mm. dipped in it. It really gives like really nice uh, oh mouthful yeah 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 you're getting all the flavors and like and yes. all, I mean all the textures and a little cool a little warm a little chewy yes. just everything um and that is my last I am I guess is it common for naan or roti to be made with sourdough I've made it before actually for the podcast and it definitely wasn't sourdough I've never heard of sourdough naan or roti 
okay, that's another request. So, um, <laughs> sourdough. <laughs> sourdough has another story I have. So, uh, when I was uh, not married, I didn't know much of this, right? But when mm-hmm. I got married, I moved to that town, like uh, Kohat. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, uh, people were making, people had uh, clay, uh, clay ovens. Mm-hmm. uh in their houses and then it moved to uh, gas ovens which mm-hmm. is metal ones so um then i obviously was doing it too because it was part of my job too to do a certain time of uh dough mm-hmm. uh, i learned it <laughs> but then i also learned i was excited to learn the clay oven non as well so mm-hmm. what they did was um you know how sourdough we feed the we starter feed the yeah starter mm-hmm. yes um so they had the starter always mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they would, when they're um, making the dough, they would add that starter. And uh, for example, if I have to make the naan at 4 p.m., I would mm-hmm. do my uh, dough at, I would say, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a bit warmer water. Or I would do my dough and mm-hmm. put that starter in it mm-hmm. and uh, make it and uh, leave it in a warmer area. So it gets fermented. Uh-huh. And by the time we're making it, so the sourdough and there was no yeast involved in it It, it's just Mm -hmm. the starter that um so it was such a thing like we don't know anything else besides it like we make roti we make paratas everything but then the rural thing is they i am sure they use it still but because of uh, yeast things Uh, got easier right but we always had sourdough uh, uh, starters in thing and then we when we are done making roti we would always leave um handful or like a ball amount of uh starter oh we will use it tomorrow and we will just leave it uh, on the countertop or whatever and next day we will take the same thing make the roti uh, make the dough and then okay. make the roti and take some more and leave it oh, this, this is, is for next day so we're continuously feeding yeah. the starter and using it okay no i remember yeah okay this is so fascinating to me huh okay well, I don't know if I can find sourdough non bread, but I'm gonna look. <laughs> I'm really fascinated. And just regular one is okay too. Like one yeah. we make with okay. the yeast. Like I make it at home with the the, the yeast uh, now. Yeah, with yeast uh, yeah. and the, the regular oven. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One day I'm gonna make a video for you and make oh, uh, non that in would the be oven. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. What um. What I, I was going to ask one thing, and then I really I should hop off. What um. um, um, um it has to do with this. Hold on. Oh, just a flavor. I mean, is it a, a the flavor and also rise? Is it the same, different? I mean, sourdough tastes different. Uh, yeah, it's a little different. You can tell that if mm. you added the yeast or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, you need to be really careful when you're making the dough, like when you're mm-hmm. preparing it and try to use the warmer water with it or your, mm. or your uh, non won't be really soft and then you have to oh, hear it okay. from people oh look at this how many <laughs> did it what time did you do your dog it's so hard <laughs> everyone's a critic <laughs> yeah you have to wow. be careful about it because the whole family is eating it right the elders right. the juniors and then yeah it's it gets um and that was and yeah, the next day, yeah that was your husband's family that taught you how to do that uh, they were doing it, so I I started doing you it. You just copied, yes. yeah, yeah, whatever they were doing. So I was, I just learned. But but they were not expecting me to learn the clay oven thing. But I was excited to learn it, and then yeah. I started making it too. Wow, that's amazing! That's amazing. All right, I should let you go. Okay, I loved. 
I talked all about me, but it was so nice talking to you. I loved hearing it so much. And the one last thing is just tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. Um, so I only have Instagram account. You can mm-hmm. find me on my Instagram, which is Saima Atik underscore S-A-I-M-A-A-T-E-E-Q underscore. Yes. So, and that will be there in the show notes, a link to you. And um, yeah, this is wonderful. I had such a good time and I can't wait to same. make this recipe and I can't wait to share your story. I really, really, really appreciate it, Saima. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Becky, for having me. Thank you. Yes, my pleasure. Have a great evening. You as well. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again to Saima for coming on to this episode. Thank you, listener, for listening to uh, to the end here. Again, if you have feedback on this um, this trend of me just kind of letting go of time constraints and letting the interview go as long as it wants to and um, very lightly editing, then let me know at Becky at the storiedrecipe.com. In the meantime, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You leave a rating a review, a five-star <laughs> rating or review. And uh, feel free to reach out to me, Becky at the storiedrecipe.com for any reason. Thank you and have a great week, my friends.